This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Happy Friday to everybody. An abbreviated show because we've got Mariner Spring Training Baseball just wrapping up. And a treat in studio today, Dave Wyman off today. Our buddy Ryan Roland Smith is here with us for the first time this baseball season. I guess it's officially baseball season. Yeah. Spring training, right? Yeah, I feel I, I'm back. I feel like I've been out of the loop. Yeah, we missed months. you, man. I, yeah. I know I've spoken to you since I've been down in Australia hiding out. Yeah. I was down there for a good over a good month. Yeah. Uh, you know, just up and down the coast, but we're back. Spring training. Get to watch love some it. baseball. Love it. Love it. Love it. Lots to discuss. We'll get into all kinds of things uh, surrounding the Mariners. You guys can text in whenever you'd like. 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company coming up at the show. We do have uh, mean text coming up later on uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. So you can text in for that. Just be creative. And be, be nice to Ryan. He's not used to having people say mean things to him because well, everybody I'm, loves Ryan. I'm out of here at 445, so I think we're good. Are you? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going, wow, I missed that memo. <laughs> Ryan's only used to having people saying mean things about him. Is that right? The phone line, hey, the uh, accent. Uh, 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 hey, listen. They love his accent. I know. I know. Hey, I've been destroyed. I, for some reason, I usually fill in on a Friday. I don't know if it's Wyman just, just killing some long weekends. I don't know. <laughs> Playing beer pongs with yeah, his Strategically buddies. taking yeah. the Fridays and Mondays off. Yeah, yeah so it's always mean things. But I've been, hey, listen, I've been destroyed. Have there, you? Oh, yeah. I feel there's, like everybody loves you. There, I, there, there's been some drive homes where I felt a little lower about the, the yeah. <laughs> don't, the, don't let these the guys get to you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, take it easy on Ryan. Easy. I mean, you can just be creative, be funny with it, and you can take shots at me and Lefko. 866 979 3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Uh, you, you know, we've been talking, you know, previewing the season, and as they built this roster and stacking it up, We'll get into all of that, you know, what they've done and maybe what they should have done. Dave and I were talking, I don't know, last week about, you know, what's your biggest concern? What, big Biggest area? Is it is it the bullpen? Is it the rotation? Is it, is it this position, this position? For me, it has been and remains third base. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to get your take on it because uh, you got Rojas and Urias there as their, your platoon. Urias hasn't thrown the ball yet. Right, he's been hitting. He, he came up, I think, with a triple yesterday. So he's 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 hitting. But uh, as far as defense, I don't love either. Is is the option defensively? Now we heard Jerry yesterday talking about this. He was on with Brock and Salk, and they were talking about third base. And he was asked if there was a chance that Ty France could play some third base. Yeah, I guess there's always a chance, and it's one thing that we've always done. And this developmentally, from the minor leagues to the major leagues. We, all of our outfielders play all the positions. The infielders move around. You know, we try to give them the various exposures because you never know what's going to happen during the course of a season. And some of the, the, the things that have been impressive in this early going, one is the, the physical condition of Ty France. He's, he's, he looks incredibly athletic right now. And I'm, I mentioned it to him. It, the, he did the work this offseason. And, and Perry Hill's always believed in him as a third baseman. So giving him the opportunity to rotate over there it just like i talked about with the flexibility with guys like rojas urias moore etc you know if ty france fits into that bucket all the better for us polanco is also a guy who can go play third base he's got second he's played a little first having that type of versatility really provides depth before you even get to the next layer of, of player so i agree with him ty france does look physically yeah. different he looks great 
He looks as good as we've ever seen him physically. Um, and I know he has played third base in the past. I do remember one one year we asked Ryan Divish, who was down there, like, hey, how's Ty look at third base? And he goes, well, for a, for a third baseman, he's a great DH. <laughs> that just always stuck with me. That doesn't seem like an awesome plan to me. And he's throwing in, and Blanco can play there. And, well, why don't you throw JP in there and uh, right. see if Julio wants to play third? I mean, come on, man. I, 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 yeah. It, it's, it, you know, look, you look at this and say to yourself, all right, from a player, from a developmental standpoint, obviously you have a shortstop that plays every other position in the infield once they come to fruition, right? Once they get to the big leagues. Now, Ty France has been on the right side of the infield. Therefore, the last couple of years, whether it's been second base and, and we've seen him at first base, and he's been great, you know, defensively, first, you know, playing first base defensively, he, 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 there's been no issue there whatsoever. But you're talking about a situation if you have not developed that kind of arm strength or mm -hmm. developed throwing off balance or that skill set, it is tough. And again, like I said, I know I, I get it. Shortstop is the most specialized. You have to have that big range. But if you're in a situation where you've come into camp and they've said, hey, man, you've slimmed down, you look more athletic, right? And, you know, you could be having an extra step or two, you know, laterally. That's great. However, if it's not something that you're building into, right, from I'm talking November, December, you or remember um, who, who was it? Um, you know, D Gordon transitioning yeah. to the outfield. Yeah. Did that, that, it, it takes months. Yeah. And a big reason for that is arm strength. And it's not just arm strength. I talked about this with J.P. Crawford last year. When you, uh, if you're a little bit sub, um, you know, sub average arm strength, your confidence level, when you have to get a ball in the hole and, and, and backhand that, you don't have got a whole lot of time to get the guy running down the line. It's that natural thing, you know, subconsciously, you're like, oh man, I need to set my feet because you don't trust your arm strength a little bit. Yeah. You're going to lose a step or two. Therefore, that range goes as well. So it's interesting to hear Jerry DePoto say, oh yeah, look, he's slimmed down, he looks more athletic. Let's see if he can slide into third base. And if this is a conversation that you feel like that you could, you know, essentially rotate players like three, two, three or four in a position like third base, that's interesting. So I'm with you a little bit on, on this third base issue. I really am. Well, and then he, he explained further why he likes their situation at third base. I'm here to do whatever I, I got to do to help. Yeah. When once you play, I like our situation at third base. You know, they're they're both guys who've been successful major league players. If you combine each of their best seasons, you got about a five and a half win player, <laughs> which is that's no joke. And you know, it, they just do it in a slightly different way. And and I think you look around some of you know in in the baseball world, you're not going to have an all star solution at every position on the field or in the roster. And I think that is a, when there are no games being played, and you think as a as a as a broader baseball ah they can go get such and such yeah but then you're taking away from the advantage that it provides you in in versatility and flexibility and depth huh <laughs> you're taking away from the advantage they, they so he feels they they currently have an advantage at third base because of the versatility and flexibility and depth versus having your guy your your Gino Suarez mm -hmm. your Kyle Seager yeah. your your Matt Chapman Nah, we've got an advantage with this. I don't believe he believes that. I understand he can't come out and say, yeah, we're not feeling great about third base. He, I agree with him 100%. Yeah. You can't have an all-star at every position. I, totally. I, think, I think that's the key, right? That, it, it, that I totally agree with. That, is, that makes perfect sense. That's the obvious. But to say, 
Well, if we had our everyday guy there, that takes away our advantage that we currently possess by having this rotation. Of, I'm like, no, no, you don't believe what you're saying. The, the Mariners really put a lot of stock into versatility, as we've seen the last couple of years. When, when you're talking about having that extra outfield, when you're talking about rest, right, when you're talking about having a player that, that they lose that 50, 60 games, um, and on the flip side, all of a sudden, you're talking August and uh, September, they're well-rested and fresh because they haven't been playing every day or what have you, right? That's kind of been that thing, that, that position versatility. However, I think – and I've said this before. I've said this with, with you guys on this show. There are certain players that if they are platooning, they can thrive in that environment, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about the fact that if you're a left-handed, you know, left-handed hitter and you're facing left, you can't handle lefties. All right, great. I'm just going to face righties. But – you know, again, it comes down to this thing. If you are able to, and it, it is tough, you talk to any player, and I've talked to plenty of my teammates, when they get to a position where they're trying to prove that they're an every single day player, where they're playing every day, mm-hmm. left, facing lefties and righties. We talked about this with Jared Kelnick. If you could be an everyday player, could he handle lefties? That's that's the goal. That's that's the mission. Right. And what happens is you start to slip. Like for example, you start, you're a left hand hitter and you just, you had just 0 for 50 against lefty, whatever. You're going through a streak. Guess what? You're just going to start to get platooned. It can mess with your head. Some guys just cannot deal with a situation where they walk in and go, you know what? Hey, we're going to put you into a platoon situation. Now, usually when you have a platoon player, they're on the on the <laughs> they're on their way out, for example, yeah. or something's really missing. Pollock last year, AJ Pollock. Okay. I, I'm telling you right now, coming from an everyday situation he was in to just having a job to come in with the Mariners, and they said, look, but guess what? We're only going to play it. it. It can mess with your head. Yeah. So it takes, a, it takes a certain type of dude to be able to say, oh, yeah, great, awesome. I'm going to thrive in this because it's not normal to have to right. look at a position, especially third base, and say, you know what? would prefer to have a platoon. Now, I get what he's saying, the fact that you can't just – Go out and buy yourself an all-star infield every single position. Yeah, I totally get that. But I don't see it being advantageous at all because there's only a minimal amount of guys who say, great, I'm platooning. This is awesome. I'm going to thrive. You have to play every day. That's the way it goes. <laughs> I just you know, we're taking away our advantage with our versatility there. I'm like, listen, again, I get you can't come out and go, this is a problem. We're hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah. have the resources to go out and do what we'd love to do. He's, I don't expect that from him. But when he leans on and saying, I like our situation. Now, I like it. I'm it, like, no, you don't. If it's to keep some you know, recovery where you're going to platoon that player and have him DH, if he's an impact bat. Right. But if it's not that, and this is kind of not the situation, <laughs> third base is a little bit different. Yeah. I just I heard that and I went, okay, come on, man. Right. I, I understand you have to sell it on a certain level. You can't come yeah. out and bag on it. But saying it takes – having, again, your all-star or even just your everyday third baseman who's just but, – but, but, but is that his defense when people come at him? Not people, not like he's people in, in-house. When you look at Matt Chapman being out there, people are like, yeah. go get Matt Chapman. Is that his defense to say, you know what, no, we'd prefer to have the versatility – in this situation. I'd prefer he didn't say that. <laughs> I'd prefer he just went, hey, you know, we're, we're working with what we got. Right. You know, we, yeah. we've been we've been given a budget. We have to function within that budget and make it make the best of it, and that's exactly what we're doing. Right. That That's real. At least yeah. I could go, okay, yeah, he's, he's not the one who's right. dictating how much they spend. He gets the allowance. It's up to him to make it work. But when, you, when you're saying you prefer this over your everyday guy who is rock solid yeah. there, like Gino, like Kyle – 
and this is more advantageous. No, you you don't believe it as much as I don't. Right. All right, coming up, as you might expect, we got a lot of things that are bothering us. What's bugging Bob? What's bugging Mike? What's bugging Ryan? We'll find out. It's coming up next. It's Wyman and Bob with Ryan Roland Smith, and this is Seattle Sports on 710. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. Hey, you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's bugging Bob. What's bugging Bob presented by Issaquah Pest Control coming up at four o'clock. We'll talk with our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer. She'll join us live from Peoria, Arizona. Uh, usually we start with our guy, Matt, who's running the board typically, Matt Nelson, but he is uh, spending the next three days at the Emerald City Comic Con. I heard all about that. Did you? When was that? You guys were talking about that the other day, and I was like... Yeah, I think yesterday was the first day. Wednesday, I've never he heard... ditched out on us yesterday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he took vacation <laughs> days to go to this every day. I've never heard Matt sound so enthusiastic, to the point I'm driving around going, man, I'm not like... I think I was about to cry. I was like looking up tickets. I'm like, I'm in guys. I have no interest in any of this stuff, but man, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, there's no monster trucks there. You wouldn't no, like it. Yeah. That's right. It's too expensive anyway. But usually we say, Matt, as he says, I'm great at complaining. He, he feels like he's a great complainer and he finds things that really bother him. Usually it's himself. He'll complain about himself, but he's not here. So in, in lieu of that, we'll start with Lefko. Yeah, Ryan didn't have anything either, so I said I'd do two oh, to kind of help him on. out. I, hold on. I'm going to stop you. I, I do have a few. Th- <laughs> hey, listen, I haven't been here for a while. We, no, sat, we sat in that other room, and we had a nice little compl- complaining session. <laughs> a lot of things we can't talk about. We don't have enough time. But actually, you brought up something right before yeah. we jumped on. That I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I have to get my first grievance out of the way. Then I'll yeah. do the one that you, you and I can talk about. So Uh-oh. there's a certain bakery nearby. might be na- named after a, a famous you know, terminal in New York City nearby yeah. Uh, yeah so they were promoting for the last few weeks and they even put an instagram reel out a couple days ago chocolate cream cheese muffins starting today like hey come and get it literally the reel right now on instagram says out now come and get one i'm like all right i'm gonna go over there today chocolate cream cheese muffin yeah. sounds like a good friday treat i walk in they have nothing sold out no they didn't have them yet yeah false advertising false advertising wow. a great deception was Tell, uh, was happening? Let us know the level of customer service. Was it like, where are they? Oh, sorry, we apologize. Just, no, it was just uh, no, we don't have them because I don't think this bakery knew that their you know general corporate social media was promoting that. Interesting. You know, it's not on it's not on them, right? It's on everyone else, as we heard from <laughs> from fanatics. It's not their fault. It's everyone else's fault. So that uh, that was a f- source of frustration. Now I brought this up to Ryan, mm-hmm. and he agreed. Uh, this was actually a couple weeks ago, but on the heels of the second Dune coming out. It reminded me that movies that don't need to be two parts, being two parts, annoy me. That's bugging me. So I watched on a flight back a couple weeks ago, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. And every Mission Impossible movie is a complete... Singular movie. It's a complete singular movie. So that's what I expected. So I'm watching, I'm watching. There's a good battle sequence or whatever, you know, fight sequence. And then all of a sudden, it just ends. They're like, oh, part two. Coming up next, you know, coming out whenever, in the next few years. So to go into a movie not knowing it was a half of a movie, that's bugging me. Yeah, that's pretty bogus. I'm not going to lie. I love Mission Impossible. I love those movies. When does the next one come out? We don't even know, you know, not for a couple years because they have to make it all. I mean, yeah, how long does this take? 
I mean, that, they're going to cost at least, what, 50 grand to make those movies. <laughs> <laughs> at least. Yeah. you got Tom Cruise jumping off the cliff, base jumping. It's wild. Tom Cruise is going to be 67 years old when the next one comes out. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, yeah the vampire, man. He, he, he's, he's in his 60s right now. Uh, and he looks amazing, too, He's by the jumping way. off Good cliffs on the on the motorcycle. Yeah, I was that watching. was epic. I know. Yeah, listen, if you're going to do a two-parter, you can't do it with a mission. First of all, Mission Impossible. How long was it? Like three hours, probably? Yeah, two? it was a normal movie. Yeah. Two, two and a half hours. Right, and then you got to wait a couple that's that's lame. Now again, like I said, I have still have not seen Dead Reckoning. I still haven't. We've got it at home, ready to roll. And you know, I've said to my wife, I was like, "Hey, boom, this is going to be the movie we're watching." And then we end up watching, you know, some other rubbish that she wants to watch. So we <laughs> haven't gotten to it yet. So I was dying to watch it, but now I don't know. I'm a little hesitant. Hey, but speaking of the movie, this is one because he just brought this up. Took the kids to go see a movie in the theaters. By the way, I love it that movies are starting to make a comeback back in the cinemas as opposed to everything just going straight stream. I love yeah. it, man. You get the giant, you know, big Diet Coke and the red vines of the pop. I love it. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, I sit there like I'm 12 years old. But we go to the kids' movie, and anyone who's got kids can 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 understand this. You get in there, you watch the previews, the kids get fired up over the previews. Me yeah. too. I'm like, oh, that looks fun, doesn't it? You know? And then they've got this little mini movie before the movie, right? So I'm sitting there like dialed in. The movie was called Migration about these ducks. Okay. So I'm ready to, ready to roll. I'm, I'm like excited to see this. I don't you and the two kids. Yeah, and, and Amanda, yeah. Okay. The, whole, the whole family sitting there, you know, crushing the red vines before it's even started. And they have these mini movies, right? Like these little 20 minute short. So it's this Minions or Despicable Me, whatever it is, that, that, where the guy flies off to the moon. It's just this like crazy, like, you know what's going on? So I'm sitting there going, hold on, I'm here to see the duck movie, Migration. <laughs> it's a good 20, 25 minutes. You've got to sit through this thing. Before the movie starts, it's like, dude, you're going to wear my kid out, man. Like, yeah, you know, I don't want him watching the first of all, it's just over the top, you know, just, you know, all the just stimulation, the- <laughs> just a lot exactly. going on there. Yeah, I've already put like, you know, 100 grams of sugar into it. I'm like, let's go. But <laughs> it's it drives, gonna crash here. It drives me out. I just wish, like, I, you know, you kind of knew that was the case, man. Well, I figured you'd look at it as bonus. Oh, yeah. I'm bonus paying, I'm paying yeah. for one movie right. and I'm getting one and a half. Nah, it's like a double header. This is a double header in baseball. Let's get to it. Now, I, I just, I was sitting there just, you know, shaking my head. You know, I didn't want to give off the, the bad vibe. The kids were, were okay, but I'm sitting there going, really? I have to sit through this? Let me know if, beforehand. You know? 253 said, I'm surprised Ryan will pay the money it costs to go to a theater. I sneak in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, more for concessions. Yeah. You can get a pretty uh, good movie ticket. They get you on concessions. Yeah, I'm actually surprised you go big popcorn yeah. and drink and red vines because uh, that right there will cost you 25 bucks or 30 bucks. Well, we're talking medium popcorn. By the way, if you get large, <laughs> you get the refill. That way, Amanda and I can share. So that's. <laughs> It's more cost effective. No, He's kidding. always got an avenue. No, I'm joking. No, we, we, I go big for the. I love going to see movies at the theater, man. It's, it's the best. I miss it. Oh, man. All right. Well, I, the only thing bothering me was the weather this morning. You look outside, oh, it's yeah. sunny right now. Yeah. I took Frank out before I came to work, take my dog out. It is dumping. It is dumping to the point where he just dug his paws and he wouldn't walk. So right. I had to pick him up. Carry, I don't have a yard, so I had to carry him down to the street where the grass is there and, and all that. And then he's taking his time. By the time I got back, like I had to change everything. Pants soaked, shoes soaked, soaked through my hat. Everything was just soaked to the bone, so I had to completely change just to come into work. And now I look outside, it's it's perfectly sunny. It, it piles on, too, when you're watching – Baseball, you're trying to get caught oh, up. Yeah. And you just see that sun, the shades on. People are dudes in putting sunscreen shorts. exactly. Oh. And then you look outside, like, oh come on! Really? I'm out there just freezing. Going, oh, come yeah. on, Frank, let's go. Come on, speed oh. this up. What are you doing? You're killing me here. Come on, Frank. <laughs> yeah, it was it was dumping this morning, and now you look at the this uh, bipolar weather we've got going here. It's 
totally sunny. Yeah. I don't know that it's warm, but it looks nice. Nicer than it was this morning. So that's what got me today. All right, there you go. There's What's Bugging Bob, Ryan, and Mike, presented by Issaquah Pest Control. Coming up, uh, we'll get some firsthand insight on the key storylines that have been playing out in Peoria. Our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer, will join us next with Wyman and Bob. we got Ryan Roland Smith in. This is Seattle Sports on 710. This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Mariners spring training rolls on as they wrap up a game with the Rockies today, and we'll get uh, the latest on everything happening around this team with our Mariners insider who is down there in Peoria, Arizona. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, she is Shannon Dreher. Hello, Shannon. Hey, guys. Hey, let's start out with what I, I would assume is the biggest and best news of the day, and that is the the health status of Matt Brash. I think we were all preparing ourselves for some bad news. We had, I'd read the stories about, you know, insiders saying it could be, you know, long, long time throughout the season, maybe the whole season. And they made it sound like, yeah, just some inflammation and it's just going to set him back a couple of weeks. What was, uh, were you surprised by that or what's the reaction around there? Yeah, I think there was a lot of surprise about that. Uh, the progress, the progression of what you saw and what you were being told is very, it was exactly the same thing you've seen with so many that have come back and said, yeah, it's, uh, you know, double, we've had it confirmed and everybody's looked at it and it's taken some time, but something more serious or something needing surgery or something involving uh, the uh, elbow ligament is, uh, it was, uh, you know, kind of the outcome. And I, I think a lot of people thought that it was heading in that direction because of what you were seeing. And uh, that is not what we heard today. Now, what we do kind of need to see is what happens when he gets back out there. I did ask Justin Hollander earlier today, well, why was there inflammation? Why did the MRI show inflammation? And he said they really don't know. And you know, everybody's got a little something, you know, nobody, no pitcher is going to have a clean MRI. And I think the interesting thing that Justin Hollander said is, is that the MRI matched what his MRIs have looked like in the past. So you hope that he gets out there on Tuesday and can pick up and throw the ball, no more inflammation, able to move forward at that point. But uh, even Scott Service, when he spoke to us, said, we're not out of the woods yet. You're not going to know until you get him throwing. You want to make sure there's not a recurrence of that, and then you go forward. But as far as the things that this could have been and you could have been told this morning, I think this is uh, the absolute best-case scenario. Shannon, I want to talk about the rotation, right? Two-fifths of this rotation. Look, everyone's super excited about the potential, but you've got Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, who, you know, they had break. They, they as rookies last year, came into this, came into the Major League Baseball, and you're like, wow, look at the upside here. What are some things, if you've had a conversation with them or even Pete Woodworth or even the front office, what are a couple things that both these guys have done this winter to, to kind of say to, to – to, to take any of that kind of thought about can they get through six months and have success over the over over you know the long term of the season? Well, I think what they did last year is huge in that you know they had that first go round in the big leagues and they both had adjustments made against them and they were able to take that into the off season and, and go from there and their paths at that point are very different. 
And they're very different for a, a very specific reason. And I think that you, we, we tend to group them together because they kind of came up at a similar time, but they're very different in terms of experience. You know, Bryce Miller has pitched forever. He pitched through college. Uh, he pitched a longer, a little bit of a longer time in the minor leagues than Brian Wu did. Brian Wu did not convert to being a pitcher until his junior and high school, junior year in high school. Uh, I believe started six games in college, 25 in the minor leagues before he was called up and has about 230 minor league fall ball, summer ball uh, innings under his belt before he was called to the big leagues with not much behind that. So he's very young in experience. And what we did see that was kind of a commonality with both of them is they came in, they kind of booed and nod and wowed. At the beginning, an adjustment was made, and the biggest struggle after that was facing lefties. And Bryce Miller, uh, you know, they all they both saw it. It's very hard to change things too much within a season. Uh, Bryce Miller, you could tell after every start, he was making mental notes. He was probably writing them down, starting to formulate a plan of what he would do when he had an off season to. Uh, devote to work and what he decided he needed to do was a rework his sweeper he didn't think it was quite firm enough and b add a splitter he saw what that did for george and logan and that's what he was going to do and so he did went to texas a&m he worked a little bit uh, at a performance center and he was able to develop that pitch and continue to develop it as he gets to spring training so his path to getting the lefties out was changing a pitch adding a pitch they didn't want Brian Wu to do that. Brian being young and where he is and having kind of the arsenal that he already has and a fastball that they very much believe in, they wanted him to keep pitching and just kind of focus a little bit on throwing better strikes. So he hasn't made really any major adjustments to his pitches per se. Rather, he's got to go out there and throw them in the right counts to the right hitters in the right locations and, and go from there. And as the fifth starter, while we've seen him kind of go full bore with Logan and George and Bryce, they're going to be more careful with Brian Wu. In the fifth starter spot, uh, usually you get that extra day. Sometimes you can be uh, skipped here or there. When the season starts, because of the way that the days line up, it, it'll be a little while before they're all kind of on a regular rest-type schedule, and that's good coming out of the spring. But they'll prob- you'll probably see him get pulled a little bit earlier in games. Scott Service said, I want him to have some success, particularly early, because they are still kind of treating him as a very young pitcher. Shannon, back to the bullpen for a moment. How, how are you feeling about is it, the way it looks to set up right now? Because we don't know, you know, we'll see when Brash is, is really 100% ready to go. Uh, Santos is another guy dealing with, with some uh, injury issues there. And and you, you lose Topa, certainly, in, in the move that they made. So what is it sits right now? Where are, your, are you concerned? How do you, how do you feel about the bullpen? I really liked it on paper a few weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And things change very quickly. Uh, I think, um, you know, if you looked at it, you had kind of a three-headed monster at the back end of the bullpen with Brash Munoz and Santos. And now you've got questions about Santos and Brash. And I think Santos, he appears to really be on the right path left. Uh, coming back, there seems to be a little less concern for where he's at. He's throwing it about 120 feet right now. I'll bring it in, and they're hoping to have him back on uh, the mound, I believe, in about a week. So that's good. 
Um, and, and you really hope, I think we're just all holding our breath until Tuesday and, and see how that brash progresses once he does start throwing again. And we'll see where they go from there. Uh, if you have them all, I, I think you're really in good shape. You know, you've got Chris Spire, Gabe Spire there, which is, you know, a huge part of the bullpen, particularly in the second half. Uh, I'll be interested to see what Trent Thornton does. He's kind of gone to work on some things, and some things look a little bit different for him. Uh, he's, of course, got Sacedo, so you feel good about the arms that are coming back. And then, and I've been writing about some of the other guys on Seattle Sports, that kind of, um, they call them, you know, I think they call it the second rider bucket, that bucket of players where they've got some good stuff, they need a tweak here or there. Uh, it's it's a big bucket that this year. They brought in a lot of pitchers that are very intriguing, and you wonder, you get them into the lab, which isn't really a lab, but it's working with the Mariners' uh, pitching uh, group, and it, it's not even as dramatic as you think it is when they go to work with it. Sometimes it's just as easy as targeting different with them or just kind of adjusting pitch usage. But we've seen good things early, and we've seen stuff as well. So I think, you know, you look at a Jackson Coer, which is he's had two very impressive outings right out of the gate. And I think last year, you know, his minor league numbers aren't great, but it's been a big adjustment from him. He's been going, you know, went from a starter to a reliever, wasn't comfortable with that for a long time, and really kind of changed his mindset and how he was going to attack, particularly with his fastball, once he no longer had to conserve anything for more than one inning. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Uh, you look at, um, oh, there are a couple of pitchers, but you, uh, and uh, Carlos Vargas, mm-hmm. his stuff was absolutely electric. And he's a guy who had command issues, had no command issues in his first inning. He had some misses, but they were very near misses. And he had uh, some nasty, nasty movement on his two seam fastball and the change, or the slider looked good as well. And where he was a guy that averaged 98, 99 miles an hour with a fastball, the four seamer, it looks like he might actually be ditching that altogether and going with a little bit of a lower velocity two seamer that's got great movement. And we just saw him once in a game, but it was dramatic. It looked fantastic. We'll see where he goes with that. And there are a handful of others that have impressed early. So I do think, you know, I, I think they easily can come up with a guy that can be of impact um, with one guy by the end of spring training. And I wonder if they have to go, to, if they have to go with two, there very well could be that as well. And these guys will continue to develop as the season goes on. I think you're in great shape if you have all three. I don't think you're going to have all three at the start of spring. I don't think there's any way, even if it goes swimmingly and perfectly for Matt Brash, I think he will start on the IL and they will be very careful with him. Santos, I think, has got a decent shot at being ready to go, but I don't think they, I, I don't think they'd be shy about holding him back a little bit either. They want these guys for the long haul. So we're just going to have to wait and see. It is pretty, it is amazing though. What what they've done. You're talking, you mentioned Steckenrider's name, Topa, Paul Seawold, Gabe Spire, guys who've come in and they've kind of. Yeah, Pat res- Murphy, uh, oh, yeah. guys you've never heard of and they turn them into these productive arms. Yeah, resurrected their careers. Hey, speaking of that too, look, and flicking to the, the off, offensive side, I'm, I'm dying to know, Shannon, you're around him every single day. Mitch Hanniger coming back to the Mariners, right? He left, left the Mariners. It was kind of like, Okay, they're going to make him an offer here. He's a free agent. He went off to the Giants, you know, back to his hometown. And here, here he is back. What, what's been the conversation like with him? And what's the, 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 the vibe around Mitch Hanniger coming back? Is he different? Is he growing up since, since leaving the Mariners and coming back? Or you know, what, what, what are some of the conversations you've had like with him? 
Well, it's funny. It's only been a year. And for some, you know, some ways it seems like it's been forever. And then the first time you see him, it's like it was yesterday. So I guess it's somewhere in between there. Uh, I don't know how much, you know, going somewhere else and seeing something different or has impacted him being a year older. Uh, but he is thrilled to be here there is no question about that and they did make an offer there were some negotiations when he became a free agent and the offer that the giants gave to him actually was a surprise i think throughout the industry got a very good deal there and so he was going to go there things didn't go well for him injury wise i I don't know that uh you know i heard at the end of the year that uh, they were talking about well he's not an everyday player anymore he's going to be a platoon player and that would not sit well with him, I am sure. So I, I think he was uh, happy to have the opportunity for many reasons to come back. And one of the neat things that he said in talking to him the first week is he said, this is the most complete group we have had here since I have been a Mariner. And uh, he was referring to there were years where you would come in and you had the pitching and you just hope you could get enough hits. And there were other years where you had the bats and hope you could get enough pitching. He said, we have it all right now. And he's pretty excited about that. He's got, you know, the same demeanor about him. He carries himself the same way, that little bit of a Mitch aura around him where the younger players on the club a couple of years ago, they called him their champion because he carries himself that way. You ask him what his goal is this year and you ask him the same question the last four or five years. It's always the same. Win a World Series, not get to the postseason, not get to a World Series. It's win a World Series. And he is dead serious about that. So it's kind of fun to have that back in the clubhouse. And he also said, you know, he is a guy that is, uh, he can't help but lead by example. And that's why he was one of the players that were kept. He was, you know, when they first tore this thing down and they were going to be bringing in younger players, that's the example they wanted. And so he has always led in that way, but now he says he wants to be more vocal and he realizes those that helped him when he was a young player and how much he wanted to ask them questions. And he said, and, you know, kind of with my personality, I want to kind of tell them things, you know, I don't want to wait for the questions sometimes. So uh, it's been a great feel having him back and seeing him in that clubhouse. And uh, I hope they can keep him on the field. I'd love to see what he could do with, you know, 120 or more games. Hey, just Shannon, in terms of the new additions, Garver and Mitch Hanniger certainly is one, but we, we know what he is when he's healthy. Uh, Polanco, Urias, uh, anybody else out there? I know it's been limited in terms of what we've seen so far, not many games under their belt, but has anything stood out to you, good or bad, about the new additions? Uh, well, Arias not getting over into a game yet and just barely getting on the field and fielding drills, of course, is a concern at this point. He joined the fielders for the infield practice today for the first time in camp, and you can tell he still wasn't throwing 100%. So there are definite question marks at first base or at third base. Um, Polanco seems to fit right in. He's a quiet guy, but. Uh, I, I think, you know, sometimes you need that a little bit in the clubhouse, very steady. And uh, he had a good day today over in Scottsdale, which was good to see. Mitch Garver, uh, a definite veteran presence, <laughs> no question about that. Uh, and I, he's a guy that has been around, seen a lot, been through a lot. And I love the way that he is sticking with the catchers. He is, I, I can't help but think, and we'll find the right time to ask, but when Cal Raleigh was asking for more, one of it was, Somebody who's been there and done that, and that is Mitch Garver right there. And now they're kind of working alongside each other uh, earlier in the day when the catchers do their work. So I'm interested to see that. Luke Rayleigh, the first time I saw him turn on the Jets, that's impressive. He is a big guy, and he is fast. 
So that was a lot of fun to see, too. So I think the only real concern at this point is, is probably what we're seeing at third base. Shannon, they've brought in. In regards to, talked about the players, right? This coaching staff is quite extensive. Brant Brown, right? Bench coach and offensive coordinator. You had a chance to talk to him and exactly what that means, what, what his role is, being the offensive coordinator? I have not had a chance to ta- talk to him because he is the busiest man in camp. And I'm really, really mad at Brock and Salk because I, I think they put their foot down and ended up getting him, which was good. But I can tell you what an offensive coordinator is because I talked to – who did I talk to about that? Uh, Andy McKay about that. And it, it makes a heck of a lot of sense. And, yeah, it is kind of football-minded and, and like an offensive coordinator in football. And, you know, just like in football in the offense, you've got a quarterback coach, linebacker coach, not a linebacker. Um, you've got a quarterback coach, a wide receiver coach. Uh, you've got a tight ends coach and all of that. Uh, they all are focused on their positions and making their guys better and doing things the correct way. Well, you need one guy that's going to pull it all together and be more concerned about scoring. And, and so that is part of Brant Brown's job. He's also going to be the bench coach, and he also has a history with Scott Service, and that's somebody that uh, Scott Service himself said is not afraid to say no to him. So that's going to be interesting there, having that in the dugout. But Brant Brown comes with crazy experience as a hitting coach, worked in the Dodgers organization for a long time, and that's where all the hitting gurus are. So he has been around some of the best in that regard, but also have had some has had some uh, ideas, uh, you know, strong ideas of offense of his own. So he is going to pull it all together. And his main, you know, main focus is how do we pull all this together and make it add up to runs. And he's using a little bit of a different language and different sayings, which and I asked Scott about this the other day because it really struck me that they went out and they hired three coaches from the outside this offseason, whereas in the past recent past, they were bringing up coaches from within and with a young team that made sense to the extent where they're all speaking the same language. They have the same philosophies, young guys. A lot of them have been around these guys. Well, I asked Scott, is it time to bring in people from the outside? And he said, absolutely. So now you're hearing some things that are a little bit different. And I think it probably plays um, a little bit different when you have a more veteran group where you're not teaching as much, where you're trying to kind of put it all into action and Brett Brown's an interesting one, and he is at the top of my list. But, man, he is hard to find. He is so busy. Hey, you brought up third base. That's something Ryan and I were talking about, and we've been, talk- I've been talking about it with Dave for a while now. That that's We pointed out areas of concern. What do you, what do you point to for a spot on the team or individual or group of players position-wise that, that you're uncertain about at best? And to me, third base is the obvious. you got a platoon situation there. With with uh, Rojas and, and Urias, and and we heard Jerry on with with Brock and Salk talking about well, you know, Ty France could be part of that mix. Polanco could be part of it. And I, listen, I know Jerry's not going to come out and say, "Hey, we got a problem, man. I'm, I don't feel good about this." He's you're never going to hear that. But he also said they made a statement about having an everyday guy there, and he said, "Well, hey, no, that takes away our advantage of having this this versatility there." And I'm like, "Well, okay, come on, man." You don't believe that. I don't believe that, that you wouldn't want a Seager, a Gino Suarez, somebody you just write it, you pencil them in every day. That's your third baseman. But how, how worrisome is that spot for you? Well, they don't have that guy. Otherwise, you know, that would be the first place where they would go. So that kind of knocks that one out. I, um, well, I'm concerned because Urias, we haven't seen play yet. 
and he's probably even, I would say, I think they're hoping to get him into a game on Tuesday. We'll see what happens. Um, and that said, you know, he wasn't coming over being a guy that was going, you know, has coming off a great season. Uh, he had some troubles in the off season with some injuries. So, you know, for me, it is, and it is, it's twofold. It is offense, but every bit as much of offense, it is defense because of the pitching staff that you have, you want to give them every out you possibly can get. And they had a good last year with Gino Suarez over there. And uh, regardless of who on this team you put over there, there is going to be a fall off and that will be felt. So uh, it, it is, I think it was a concern going in and it kind of is the area where I think a lot of things have really turned out with what they were able to do under really kind of not the best situations. But I think the one area that just seems to kind of be shored up or kind of just put together, or we're going to make this work is third base. And so I, I am concerned. And I think more than anything, I'm concerned about the defense. I think you can live with, uh, you know, if third base is your worst offensive spot, you ideally don't want that as usually that is a very productive spot for a team. Um, I would be even more concerned if it is your worst defensive spot. Shannon, great stuff. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll be seeing you pretty soon. So try to keep the weather nice if you can. Okay. All right. So do you want Salk's room or do you want Justin's room or do you want Mora's room? Mora's. <laughs> I'm afraid we know who's going to get stuck with Salk's room. Shane. I want whoever of the three appears to be the cleanest, and Mora seems to be that person for me. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, thanks, Shannon. You got it, guys. There you go. There's our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer. We'll be seeing her in person, not next week, but the week after. We'll be down there broadcasting live from Peoria, as we did last season. Lots of fun down there. Uh, meanwhile, what can we expect from Ty France after this offseason he put in? We'll get into that coming up with Wyman and Bob. We got Ryan Roland Smith in. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks to Shannon Dreher, our Mariners insider, who joined us in the previous segment, in case you guys are just tuning in. That conversation will be on the podcast page at seattlesports.com after the show. It's Wyman and Bob. We got Ryan Roland Smith in for Dave Wyman, who's got today off. So you guys can text in 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. We got mean text coming up at 545, which is Ryan's favorite segment ever. Especially yeah. when you take shots at him. I will say this. When we started the show off, I said, I, I want to make sure that, hey, hey, have at it. If you've got anything you want to say, go for it. I love it. <laughs> because I sounded like I was like, I got upset last year or something when I got destroyed a few times by some very clever text. I don't know. Bring it on. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. If, if they're funny, I'm all in. Say whatever oh, you for want. Sure. It's the best. We, but sometimes it's funny because we said, if you're just going to write, oh, you stink, that's not great. We're not nah, going to read come it. come on. But we've had a couple people that have been like, bleep you, Dave. Bleep you, Bob. <laughs> That's, that brevity is kind of funny. I kind right. of enjoy that. But, yeah, be creative. It just say whatever you like, but just be uh, be funny if you can. Uh, we, we talked to somebody I think you're very familiar with, Tanner Stokey from uh, Driveline. He's the, what was his title, CEO of? Uh, uh, director he? of Hitting. Director of Hitting. Yeah. Director of Hitting out there. And we were talking about the the 
work that Ty France clearly put in in the offseason, certainly physically. I mean, he just looks physically better than he ever has. Uh, But we saw videos of him working out there, and apparently J.P. Crawford was in his ear, you know, trying to get him to go out there. Um, and, And we talked to him about just the work they did with Ty, and here he is just talking about the changes that they worked on with Ty France. With a guy like Ty, who who you would say has a pretty good hit tool, he's been a successful hitter his whole life, uh, and he has pretty unique. He has a pretty unique swing as far as his movement patterns go. But with a guy like that who's already a good hitter, uh, it's less about making big changes. It's more about like small tweaks that are going to help increase that margin for error. So like on one hand, let him be that successful type of hitter doing the things he's always done. But like with him, it's like looking for little ways where you can kind of tighten up the mechanics a little bit to maybe clean up some of the holes. More specifically, let like let him do what he does best. Put the barrel of the bat on the ball, and, and honestly, looking to just do more damage. Yeah, just, just I know Tanner, and, and you mentioned that you know, I'm familiar with him and, and Andrew Ite and Max Garrett. Max actually joined me down in Australia over uh, over Christmas. We did a camp down there with the driveline folks, which was awesome. But one thing they're really good at at that place is having a guy. He mentioned the fact that look, Ty France, J.P. Crawford, Nolan and Arenado, some of these guys that go go in there, it is extremely difficult to bring an elite hitter into a place. And then have to find the little, the finite details that are going to make drastic changes. It's really mm-hmm. difficult. Now, if you've got a 14 year old who's only been playing baseball for two years or something, and you yeah, couldn't hit water, you're going to get through to him. Yeah. 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 So it, it, it's one of these ones. And I've had Andrew Ide, who's one of the other um, you know, main hitting coaches there, who's brilliant. Um, I asked him, uh, I, I said to him, I said, how do you have, like, when you have hitters like this come in? And you say, look, this is what we see. This is what we need to clean up. How do you gain their trust? Yeah. Because if you've been doing this for so long, I've had so many different pitching coaches. Some of them, they might be giving me amazing you know, advice. Mm-hmm. If I don't trust it, it's a waste of time. Right. But I think with Ty France, in a situation like this, man, when, when you saw the look on his face last year, uh, in some of these counts, when he's fouling the ball right back, they should just absolutely hammer in just the frustration in that body language. It's a little bit... Not easier to get through to him. But he got it's humbled. Little, yeah, big time. Yeah. Believe it or not. And so these guys are so good, man. And listening to that, and 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 one thing they're so good about doing down in Kent here at Driveline, which is you know, so fortunate for some of these Mariner players, it's so local they can even get down there during the season, is just slowly building that trust mm-hmm. and just working on those little things. And it takes time too. Well, I, think with, I think with Ty France, and, and you mentioned J.P. Crawford you know, yeah. dragging him I was in say, there. That probably helps to big see – the yeah. jump JP oh, yeah. took last year. Yeah. That was not – I didn't expect to see the power we saw from JP. Yeah. And him just squaring the ball up the way that he did last year. That oh. was big. It, it was. So that's – if you needed to be convinced, if you're Ty France and yeah. JP's going, dude, look at who I was before last year. Look at last year. Yeah. And, and I think, too, the other thing I was getting at as well, look, JP Crawford, he's not profiling as, hey, man, um, you're going to hit for power now. Yeah. Or, hey, let's work on you driving the ball. Because he's profiling thinking, well, look, I'm a defensive shortstop. I just need to clean up a few things. However, the the, the drastic changes it, it made last year mm-hmm. and your confidence is through the roof, uh, you know, it, it's it's – I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. If, if it's not this thing where Ty France puts his pressure on, like, okay, now the cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows I've put this work in. I hope this this works out once you're four weeks into the season. Yeah, he's uh, – he's – He's so crucial to this lineup. I asked this question earlier in the week. I'm curious to get your take. If you could pick any player on this team to take that step for offensive player, removing pitchers, and remove Julio, they could take that big step, something we saw from JP last year. Mm -hmm. Any other player in that lineup besides Julio, who would it be? Well, I think 
Uh, that's Thai France, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and here's here's why. Especially going back to 2023, we saw just the dead zone in the middle of that lineup. The strikeout numbers were crazy. Now, if you had a tie France that we saw in 2022, mm-hmm. yeah, that takes away some of the sting out of that. That is for sure because you got to deal with it just an absolute pest. But when you got a situation where you can take care of from a pitching standpoint, you can take care of tie France. You know, two, three, four pitches. You know that you're not going to get that solid contact. Then you can go deal with a swing and miss. Man, I can cruise through a lineup way easier second, yeah. third time through. And so he was he, so problematic before because you had to play him straight up because yeah. he wasn't a pull hitter. He wasn't opposite. He used right. the entire field and he just looked like he hit everything. And his ability to, when he's behind the count, hit with two strikes. Yeah. That, you know, bat to ball skill that he had, he lost that last year. And so pitching against him, it's a situation. There's a, there's a couple of phases you have in that bat. Number one, obviously get ahead and count. Number two, okay, how do I get to two strikes? When I get to two strikes, how do I, ex- how do I execute? What is this hitter's ability like when I've got him at two strikes? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how much damage can he do too? Like, for example, and especially going back to when, when I pitched, it was these guys would, would be a little bit more protective at two strikes. So sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm taking your power element out of this. But I think with Ty, the, the way he hit, go back to 2022 – Oh, man, absolute nuisance. You yeah. work so hard to get him at two strikes, and then it's just like you're hitting – it's like a 1-1 one, one count. Yeah. The way he, he – but he lost that last year. He really did. Yeah. Well, well, Tanner went on to break down why Francis' swing was inefficient, in his opinion. It's mostly just like looking for ways to, like I said, increase that margin for error, right? Like hitting is the hardest thing you do in sports. Any little bit of wiggle room you have to help yourself optimize contact quality is going to help you be more productive. But like with Ty, like he's obviously been a very good hitter, but with the swing mechanics he had, they were more or less inefficient, right? And his barrel had a very small window where he was in the zone matching the pitch plane. Right. So like something we were looking to do with him was like clean up some of the mechanics to get him to use his body a little bit more efficiently. But like the ultimate goal with that was we wanted to get his barrel on plane with the pitch deeper in the zone and be able to maintain his posture to keep his barrel on plane further out in front. So that way when he when he's late, he's able to make quality contact and go to the opposite field like he's done well for the majority of his career. And it's also going to help him do a little bit more damage when he's out in front to be able to pull the baseball in the air. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like, you know, the, the, from our perspective, maybe they sound like more monumental changes yeah. to the swing. He looks, this, you know, just in the brief amount we've seen him in spring training. I didn't notice anything glaringly different right. in the way he's standing, his, his stance or his approach or even, you know, some of the movement at the plate. But you're talking about them dialing in every yeah. little detail. He mentioned, look, the bat path, right? And that, that's, a, that's a big one. Everyone talks about well, if you get on plane earlier, longer, well, yeah, well, of course, you can match pitches, especially when someone's throwing 98. Then they throw that blackout slider 10 miles an hour slower Yeah, if you're on plane. But, man, again, I go back to two things. I'll bring up Justin Turner here in a second. When he had his absolute resurrection with, with the, the Dodgers back in the day. Mm-hmm. One thing that – I'll get to Justin Turner right now, actually. Everyone talks about being on time, right? You want to be on time. like oh, And you hear hitting coaches teach a kid or, or whatever. Oh, yeah, hey, I really squared that one up. I was really on time. Well, one thing Justin Turner, I got a chance to work out with him when he had just got into the Dodgers. And Is that he when you're throwing him your knuckleball? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a story for later on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The exact same winner. And he, he talked about it. It was fascinating too because he talked about – I've always heard this as a kid, and even, oh, man, hey, you've got to be on time, and all of a sudden the pitcher throws a fastball changeup to disrupt timing. Okay, yeah. that's great. Well, one thing Justin Turner was like, when I was on plane longer, deeper in the, in the zone, and I was really confident with it, it, I wasn't trying to hit the ball to right field or left field. It was a situation I was off time 
60, 70% of the time, I, I wasn't squaring anything up. But I was able to be on that attack plane and generate enough, you know, source on that swing where I can do damage, man. If I'm behind on the 98, that ball's just going to go backspin to right field. Yeah. And, and that's a little bit of the difference. When you're in a situation where you're trying just so hard just to, just to pick up spin and everything else, and you're not on plane and you get that swing and miss or you foul that pitch right back, it can just drive you in, drive you insane. I guarantee you, with Ty, it would have been a slow process. That those little tweaks to get the, that bat on plane, on that attack plane, deeper in the zone, and then you can shoot that ball to right field, and you see that one pit, that one ball. Yeah. Whether it's on a hit track simulated or you know out in spring training, oh, there it is. I'm backspinning this thing to right center field now, and I'm getting caught back here with 98. When you're doing the, the lives. It's got to be the best feeling ever. So if he can just get a little bit of that in spring training and get that confidence, he's going to do some damage this year for sure. Yeah. We're by the way, we will have to get to that Turner story because oh, the way you told it. it is hilarious. For sure, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Before that, though, the Seahawks would not have met with one quarterback prospect under their old regime, and we're going to hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, Ryan Roland Smith, in this is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. We had some of the uh, offensive skill players talking today at the NFL Combine. Uh, Ryan, this is football, but I think you can still have some good insight here. But we had uh, J.J. McCarthy, Michigan quarterback, and he was asked if he has seen his old uh, defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, yet. And then uh, McCarthy joked the Seahawks scouts told him something about Pete Carroll and how it relates to Jim Harbaugh. Um, I did see him. Uh, it was right before my Seattle interview, and funny story. Um, he walked in there, you know, obviously all love, all hugs and all that. And as he was leaving, you know, the Seattle Seahawks guys were saying, oh, you wouldn't be in here if Coach Carroll was still our head coach. So that was a good one. But it was great seeing him. Um, I did see him. Uh, it was. He was so excited he wanted to repeat himself. <laughs> yeah, in case we didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, certainly there's that history and connection there. J.J. McCarthy is the is the one quarterback, and I don't. you probably haven't been following the college quarterbacks nah. that closely because you've been off talking ball in Australia and uh, developing Australia's youth when it comes to baseball. So Flying on the uh, Bogan missile. Yeah, the Bogan <laughs> missile. <laughs> but McCarthy, is a, this is this is expected to be a very good crop of college quarterbacks mm-hmm. coming into the NFL. Right. And he's kind of like the fourth. There's like three that are the definitive top three, and he's like kind of universally thought of as the next best one, number four on that list. Quarterback for Michigan. Yeah. Michigan played the University of Washington in the national title game. McCarthy didn't look awesome to me, but I didn't watch his whole season. So I'll be paying attention. Seahawks going out and doing their rounds with yeah, the quarterbacks. They're talking to all Absolutely. these guys, and you uh, have to, right? Yeah, I'd love that they talk. They talk to whoever they they would ever entertain yeah. the idea of them playing for the team. Talk to them. Right. So yeah, I love it. I love it. Sweeping the dial. Okay, this one's a little tougher to hear, but uh, it's an absolutely wild answer from Roma Dunze, UW's wide receiver. And you get questions like this, just the absurd, off-the-wall questions at the Combine. And he gives an honest answer to a very strange question. Do you think you can land a plane in case of emergency? Absolutely not. (laughs) We are going down. All souls have perished. (laughs) (laughs) What? Could, Could you, you land, land a plane, plane in yeah. an emergency? I saw the I saw this on Twitter. I saw the the you know, pop up and if, I, I, be honest though, when you first see that that's a question, do you think to yourself, "Could I do that? Could I land a plane?" 
Uh, I, my answer would be the same as his. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. I, if, if I've got someone next to me, you know, with an instruction manual or or something, I'm like, I mean, you'd give it a good crack, right? I mean, you wouldn't just sit there and be like, hey, look, sorry, guys. Well, yeah, I go in there and start pushing buttons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, but you've seen into a cockpit before. Oh, I've man. never sat in there, but I've seen when the doors open and it looks like, oh, my God, look at all the, the gauges and buttons and knobs. And I would have the foggiest idea it's, what to it, do there. It's unreal because you think in 2024, you know, around this time where, like, you know, iPads are just so, like, a, a five-year-old can use them and yeah. the cars are now becoming way more, you know, obviously no one drives a manual anymore. Yeah, the yeah. whole bit. You look at the plant, cockpit's like, hey, can't we just update this? Where, like, yeah. the, you know, just press this one but Yeah, no, yeah. It, it's a case of emergency, hit this. <laughs> yeah, here's, exactly. Here's uh, autopilot. Here's a, yeah, outside of that, I'd, I'd be at a loss. Sweeping the dial. So Brock and Salk interviewed uh, Dominic Canzone today, and actually part of that interview is going to make our Y-Man. That's a tease ahead there to 530. But here he's actually discussing something a little more uh, palatable. Discussed his favorite Italian dishes. Might have a questionable omission, though. I, I got to say, I mean, spaghetti, the good spaghetti and meatballs my grandmother made was is by far the best. That's gold. Um, that's gold. Yeah, that, that's way up there. I love uh, good pierogi. And then... Um, I mean, my mom actually did make some good lasagna when we were younger, so oh, okay. I'll, I'll put that No up chicken there. parm on there. I thought a chicken yeah, parm. Yeah, no, I'm not a huge chicken parm guy. Not a chicken parm guy. Yeah, wow. that's more my brother for sure. Not a chicken parm well, guy. Maybe we got to interview your brother. Eggplant yeah. parm? Talk to him chicken parm. Yeah. Eggplant parm? Not, no, no. Ooh, no. <laughs> I mean, chicken parm, that's for the tourists, isn't it? Chicken parm? <laughs> yeah. Am good I right me, or what? I, guess. I, I, I love a good chicken parm, don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, if he's going way back when and the grandparents and they're cooking up some, you know, some authentic, you yeah. think to yourself chicken palm. I mean, that's like Olive Garden style, isn't it? I, I maybe, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Ask Haggerty. He's a, he's the guy that's out there with the Godfather theme going. He <laughs> said he said the Godfather is like watching home movies for him, and you know, he he and Canzone could have that that connection. You see Canzone when he does, he's on second base. He's out there. Doing the chef's yeah, that, kiss that was and... like a WBC all the because I watched the Italian guys over in Taiwan. I covered that pool, and I'm like, hold on, was he on the WBC roster? The minute I saw that, I'm like, no, he wasn't. But... So he explained that too. Oh, here we go. Yeah, uh, explain the hand. I should know this. I mean, it's just I, I honestly don't even know that someone was just talking to me about my Italian heritage, and um, I just kind of like looked up a little bit about it, trying to get a little bit um, well more well informed on it, and I saw it and I liked it, so I didn't really have a double celebration or anything, so I kind of brought that out one day and kind of just. Kind of just stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I like what, it. I'm trying to think as you're saying that, what would an Australian do? Actually, it's you nothing. Go, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. 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 <laughs> you could do that. But no, nothing appropriate, actually, that could actually find its way on the field. Put it that way. Yeah, you could get, you'd do the Aussie, 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 and the dugout would yell, oi, oi, oi. Epic. Yeah, there you yeah go. that'd be good, right? I don't know if anyone would join in, but yeah. Well, there we have some. We have an idea now for our texters. So on the Mac and Jack text line, text in celebrations Ryan Rowland Smith could do. If he were to be on second base. We're going to make a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> Just for that. Now, let's be honest. How often were you on second base? Zero. <laughs> Zero times. I've had it for a couple ABs. I know, but I, did you, uh, what was your, what was, what was the spring success training. rate? Spring training. I went two for two my first ever time. Listen, I hadn't swung a bat until 17. Roll out. Jason Marquis was pitching. He was an all-star that year. I went two for two. Really? Sorry about that. Sal Fasano, who's now a coach with someone. Two singles? Back pick me. Two singles, yeah. Just, yeah. 
Just you square them yeah. up. Liners <laughs> to no. hot shot through the no. field. Hey, we were talking about hit the ball the other way. Yeah. I hit the ball the other way because I was so late on like 87. Just <laughs> 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 its way through the hole. Right down, right down the third baseline. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Yeah, hey. I could hit back in there. When I was a teenager, I could hit a little bit. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I couldn't. I don't know. What do they always say? It's a line drive in the scorebook, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So did you ever... So you had a couple hits in spring trade. Did you ever uh, have to run the bases or did you? In, you mean in spring training? Well, yeah, you're on first. Yeah, did yeah. somebody come up with another hit and you're going first oh, yeah. to third? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sal Fasano, like, backpicked me over at oh. first base. Todd Helton just slapped on a tag. I was like, dude, crazy. <laughs> you got picked off? No, no, no. Oh. I, I, I made it back. Oh, okay. But he tried to backpick me. I'm like, really, dude? In but spring then, training? Yeah, but then I get, I get the spring training. I'm like, man, if he gets a base hit, how do I slide? Like, if I have to slide <laughs> in the home. I was scared. I was like, please don't get a hit. <laughs> You're going to be looking at the guy the guy on deck going, waving oh, yeah. you to the left oh, or to yeah. the right. And you're going, I don't know how to slide. Man. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be clueless here. I'm gonna how do I slide? <laughs> hey, one thing real quick before we move on here. I will say this. When you get to hit, like when you meet, right, with my yeah. stuff, I'm in there hitting. I'm going, man, I can see this ball pretty easy. And the dude, I had a few at-bats, right? Yeah. Dude's trying like 93, 96. I'm like, I can actually see this pretty. I don't know how, if I'm going to be on time with it or whatever. I go back out to the mound the next thing and go, man, how easy must my stuff look? If the, if I can see this pretty easy, I got really self-conscious. I'm like, man, they must see me from a mile away, dude. <laughs> yeah, they're they really the mess with my head. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. So did time. you – your 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 ABs were only in spring training. You didn't... No, I had ABs in the big leagues. Oh, you did? Uh, but no hits. Zero. Yeah, Zero punched hits. out a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> what do they tell you? Do they tell you just, just hey, go stand listen, there? Just... My last at bat – Kirk Gibson was my manager. I'm yeah. up there to hit. I had to, and sure enough, I had to lay a bunt down, move the move the runner up. Buster Posey was catching. Um, uh, Tim Hudson was pitching. Just oh. turbo sinkers. So I'm trying to get this bunt down, right? And I hear this chuckling behind me. I, I like look up. It's Buster. It's I swear, Buster Posey is laughing. He goes, "When was the last time you hit?" That's <laughs> He's talking smack to you. <laughs> And even oh. the umpire was chuckling, so I was like, oh, I'm in bad shape. Dude. Oh, goodness. Yeah. You're getting heckled go. by the catcher in exactly. the ump. Brutal. All right. Sweeping the dial is powered by Seattle University men's basketball. Coming up, a lot of Mariner conversations happening on our airwaves this week. We'll talk about some of those coming up with Best of the Rest. Coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. We got Ryan Roland-Smith in. This is Seattle Sports on 710.